Hey guys, and welcome to Happy Hour with Ashley. Who doesn't love a good happy hour? I'm coming at you real and unfiltered to talk about self-care, mental health, and everything in between. This podcast is designed to encourage, educate, and uplift each and every person that listens. I'm coming from both a clinical and a personal point of view to discuss various matters dealing with mental health, self-esteem, self-care, and everything in between, things that happen in life. Happy Hour is here to let each listener know that no matter what you may be going through, you can turn your obstacles into triumphs. So go ahead and like, share, subscribe, write a review, do all those great things, but just make sure you listen. All right. Did you know that Happy Hour is coming out with a self-care box? Well, Happy Hour's Let Me Love On Me box is a therapist-curated self-care box of goodies that aims to illustrate just how easy it is to take a moment all to yourself and increase happiness, self-love, and reduce stress. Each box is a unique mix of self-care goodies that are designed to bring more happiness into everyday life and different tools to motivate and take care of yourself. Because remember, nobody's gonna love you like you love you. So you'll get various different things in each box, you know, varying between self-care wellness goodies, mindfulness and gratitude and happiness and self-love activities, positive affirmations. There might be some health, self-help books, different things. And we have boxes for men and women. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Friday, happy hour. It's such a great day to just go out and be great, right? Okay, so, you know, we've been talking about trauma. We've been talking about, you know, ways to overcome it, different things, just intergenerational trauma. We talked about, you know, how relationships are affected because of the trauma you've been through, just all this kind of stuff. And I kind of wanted to go over you know, something I had seen or different things I had seen that I had, you know, saved so I could talk about on the podcast because a lot of stuff's been popping up that I wanted to talk about. So I saved it. And one of the first things that um, kind of goes into the episode we had with, you know, how your trauma can form and create the basis of your relationship Um, Something I saw that said healthy relationships feel boring to people who are used to relationships filled with toxicity and drama. They're not sure what to do with love that is calm, kind, drama-free, non-toxic, and doesn't require them to constantly make painful sacrifices. And I agree and disagree with that. Um, I definitely, um, well, I would say I don't think that they're boring. I don't think that they're bored in that relationship. And I can speak for myself and just in general. I think that really when you're used to chaos, you're used to toxicity, you're used to, um, you know, abuse, things like that, that that becomes your reality. So you think that that's normal. So anything that is actually normal and safe 
feels chaotic to you because you're so used to being abused. You're so used to that toxicity that when you get something safe and normal, it seems weird and you, you feel a little put off by it. You know, I can definitely say that's been me in the relationship that I'm in now. And I can even say in talking to other people, just as on a friendship type level and even in a professional setting that that occurs too. I know it's insane. I know it's crazy. I know it's irrational. And I can even say for myself that I understand that a lot of my thought patterns are irrational, but for whatever reason, I'm, you know, struggling to change that pattern. But, you know, through all of everything that people go through, trauma, toxicity, things like that, you might never feel safe. You might have never felt safe before. And so safety seems toxic to you. And so it just, it, you know, once safety occurs, it, it's weird. You don't you don't understand what it is. You don't understand why that person is doing it. You think there's some manipulative reasons behind it and things like that because you're not used to it. It's abnormal to you. So you have to focus on working through that and, um, you know, going through those different steps you have to take to be become better. And that's what I'm doing in therapy. I'm working on my trauma and things like that. So when you're in a relationship, it's just important to have somebody who's willing to be understanding and compassionate and caring and just work through and grow through it with you. Because it's not about what you go through, but it's about what you grow through. Another thing that popped up um, kind of earlier when a lot of the situations were happening with police brutality and not that it's new. It's been going on for multiple years and years and years, but just with the latest situation with George Floyd, there was something that popped up that said being a black therapist for black people right now is an emotional challenge. As we both enter into an inevitable shared processing space filled with exhaustion, fear, uncertainty, and grief. I mean, I can for myself say not only with being a black therapist, but also being a female therapist who has gone through trauma. Both things have been kind of hard to juggle, you know, with the with being a black therapist dealing with black patients, you know, when the situation with George Floyd happened or other situations that occurred after that, <clears throat> I would have sessions with different, you know, people and they were triggered by it. They were triggered by the situation going on. You know, I remember talking to a patient one day who lives directly across the street from a police officer that recently moved in and he was having a lot of um, feelings and, and fear behind that. So just listening to that while still managing my own. And then on top of the situation with Vanessa Gillian and, and it's, it's being more recent, like literally the other day I had a patient walk in and was literally, <clears throat> excuse me, crying like her eyes out. And it was due to the situation with Vanessa and her being triggered. And I can say being a therapist right now in the climate that we live in with the sexual assaults, with the police brutality, with just all of this thing going on, it's very, very triggering. And the situation with Vanessa triggered me deeply. Like I cried all last week <clears throat> and just in meeting with that person the other day, it was so hard to put my own feelings and, 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 and traumas in my back pocket to make sure I was there for that person. So that was something else I've seen. It's very hard right now to be a black therapist and to be a therapist with sexual abuse and assault in their past. So just all of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> but again, that just goes into working on yourself, working through you know, identifying those triggers, identifying those irrational thoughts, beliefs, fears, all that kind of stuff. 
Something else I saw, this was interesting too, and it goes into everything we've been talking about. My biggest toxic trait, and I don't like saying toxic because I don't think I'm toxic, but you know, everybody has a little toxic in them. Anyway, I know how to love, but I don't know how to believe I'm loved. And when I tell you that hit me so hard, because it's true. I feel like, and I could be wrong, this is me being one-sided and, and, and having a, a, a basis of who I think I am, but I love so hard. When I'm in a relationship or a friendship or any of that type of stuff, I give so much. I'm a giver naturally, so I give so much, whether that be, um, you know, with gifts, and I'm really big on that. I really, you know, give into people with that, you know, being there for somebody, trying to help them through their problems, different things like that. But when it comes back to me believing that somebody really loves me the same way I love them or believing that they truly care about me and want to see me happy and want to see me succeed, that's hard for me. And it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a battle. It's something that, you know, even though I've made so many steps forward in so many other processes of, um, me doing this trauma work and me just be trying to be a better person every day. And I'm definitely like the person I am today isn't the person I was, you know, even a year ago, but it's really hard for me because I don't believe that I'm worthy or deserving of somebody who's actually going to treat me right. Who's going to love me. Who's going to keep me safe. All of that. Um, something else I saw, sometimes you don't realize that you aren't healed into a new issue triggers an old wound. And I can definitely, definitely, definitely agree with this um, for forever because I'm a therapist who believes in therapy and I've been in therapy for, you know, on, on again, off again, my like pretty much my whole life, I would say. Um, but mostly when I think about it now, when I went to therapy, it was situational based. So what was going on right now that made me go to therapy? And so I focused on that. I worked on that. I was good from that. I moved on. But never, ever, ever was there a time where I went to therapy to specifically focus on everything that's happened to me and why I am the way I am. Ooh, child. When I tell you for whatever bright idea or reason, I decided to go do that this year. And it has been one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, you know, I always thought I was good. But in going through this this therapy now, it's shown me that I was far from it. Now, I will say that was back a couple months ago and, and now I'm doing so much better. I definitely have seen a lot of growth. I've been able to recognize a lot of triggers. I've been able to, just even the way my anxiety feels, doesn't even feel the same that it used to. I used to feel it a lot in my body. And more recently, I haven't felt it so much in my body as, as I used to, so that's awesome. But yeah, sometimes you don't realize that you're not healed until something else pops up and shows you like, hey, you know, this still hurts. So that was something else interesting that I saw. Um, what else? Because I, I saved a lot of stuff I wanted to tell you guys about. Uh, another thing I saw, you know, sometimes many people are actually afraid to heal because their entire identity is centered around the trauma they've experienced. They have no idea who they are outside of trauma and that unknown can be terrifying. So I want to explain why I agree with this because it can be perceived as another way. But I agree with this because, you know, not necessarily that you're centered around the trauma, but that's all you know. And that goes back into that chaos and toxicity and abuse that you're used to when you get something that's not abusive or toxic and it's safe. 
you don't know how to do it. Like if you're used to, I can say for me in every relationship I've been in, all we did was argue, fight, physical, emotional, all that kind of stuff being told I'm not nothing and all this kind of stuff that when you don't have that, you're like, what the heck? You, you're not going to be mad at me. You're not going to talk to me crazy. You're not going to put your hands on me. You're not going to manipulate me. This is weird. Okay. Then how do I do this? You know, and that's why I say I agree with it, because not that your entire identity is centered around the trauma, but that's all, you know, so you don't know how to work outside of a trauma or a toxic or abuse or anything like that. So that's why, again, it's important to work on yourself and grow because it's not about what you go through, but it's about what you grow through. Right. All right. So something else that I saw and this kind of you know, all of this kind of stems into everything that we've been talking about so far. But um, just going back into that, um, you know, how trauma can affect your relationships. And we talked a little bit about that. Um, and I can speak specifically for me. You know, I can't speak for anybody else. You know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion and all of that great stuff. But for me, you know, just in thinking back in my last relationship and it was honestly an abusive relationship, but I just didn't or couldn't or wouldn't or shouldn't didn't see that. And yes, I'm a therapist and I still didn't see it. You know, I've, I've been asked before, well, if, if you had a patient or a client sitting there and they were telling you exactly what you were telling them, wouldn't you tell them something? And of course, yes, but that's not me looking at myself. That's me trying to assist somebody else. So it's, it's, it's different when you're looking at yourself. And even though I was going through all the things I went through and am just now being able to even really admit or see what it was, um, you know, thinking about why I stuck and I stayed. And you think about um, being a person who continues to be mistreated and just continue to say, I'm used to it. And that just goes back into my childhood trauma and my, you know, earlier adulthood trauma. So it was something I was so used to and not that I didn't know that it wasn't okay, but I, the way I, basically I learned in therapy, the way I handled my trauma was to be like, okay, well, yeah, it happens, but yada, yada, yada. So that's the same thing with relationships. You know, I'm used to it. This happens. This is what life is supposed to be like. This is normal. There's nothing abnormal about it because this is all I know. So because of that, you know, you become the person who is used to being un used to being unappreciated and you start to tell yourself it's okay. This is normal. This is what life is. You begin to continue understanding that you're undervalued and you learn how to say, okay, I'm fine with it. I'll cope with this. I'll go through this. You usually are the person who is always put last, but you put everybody else first. And even though you're put last, including putting yourself last, you're like, okay, it's whatever. It is what it is. You know, you're used to being taken for granted. And again, continue to say everything's okay. And even though you're unhappy, you tell people I'm fine. It's going to be okay. And just understanding that nobody, whether that's a person you're with intimately a friendship, a job, nothing, nobody, anything is worth losing yourself for. And it took me, what, 32 years to figure that out. But now that I figured that out, baby, let me tell you, ain't no turning back, okay? I worked too hard to get to where I am today, to love myself like I never loved myself before, to actually put myself first, to state my needs, my wants, my desires. That's abnormal 
as me as a person. So people that knew me before don't know me now. Trust and believe that. So forget that old person and focus on being the new person that you're striving to be. Focus on being stronger and wiser and just working harder every day to just be so much better, you know? You know, your entire life can change in a year, in six months, in five years, whatever. And you just got to love yourself enough to know that you deserve more, you are worthy of more, and be brave enough to demand more. Like I said, it took me 32 years to finally demand more. And so you also have to be disciplined enough, disciplined enough to actually work for it. So honestly, in, in my case, to have known me, to have known Ashley at any stage of my life doesn't mean you know me. So just because you knew me before doesn't mean you know me now. The girl I was a year ago or even six months ago, you know, or when I first moved to Texas and the woman that I'm becoming for the future, the woman I am today, you, they, they don't have a comparison. I've grown so much. I finally love myself. You know, I'm genuinely happy for the first time. And that happiness is within me, not in a relationship, not in a job, not in any of that stuff, even though it adds trust, it adds to my happiness, but I'm happy with me. And so every day I'm fighting, I'm fighting my old habits. I'm fighting my own toxic behaviors. I'm fighting all of that stuff to be the best version of myself. And I'm so freaking proud of who I've already become. And I know I'm just proud of who I will be. You know, I'm proud of who I'm continuing to be who I'm striving to be like that that that's a testimony in itself right there you know so just thinking about all those different things and thinking about the ways in which you're trying to be better trying to just just grow like I said it's not about what you go through but it's about what you grow through so growing through things so another thing that I wanted to end up doing um, before we hopped into some things focused on building your brand and building yourself and smashing those goals and just being an overall, just, you know, go get her, whatever you got going on in your life. And y'all, I'm so sorry. My dogs are really on one today. So, but y'all know I'm raw and unfiltered, so you're going to hear them sometimes. But anyway, I want to go through some different things that you can do. Um, especially since we've been talking a lot about traumas, I just want to help you cope with some of that. So I'm gonna give you some different things um, that you can utilize. And even if it's not trauma, if it's anxiety, depression, anger, whatever, I'm gonna give you a couple little skills to go through. Okay. So coping skills are strategies people often use when they're faced with stress or trauma to help manage painful or difficult emotions. So coping skills can help you adjust to the stressful event while also helping you maintain your emotional well-being. And you can utilize a combination of behaviors, thoughts, emotions. It just depends on the situation. So um, some people use it for stress management with anger, self-esteem, anxiety, all that different kind of stuff. And then, you know, you can utilize coping skills through support. So that's talking to your fan, your friends, your family, um, your therapist, whatever. Relaxation. So there's different relaxation activities that help you. There's problem solving skills that help you um, understand how to put into action solutions. Um, humor, so just laughing it off. Physical activity, and um, yeah, those are different ways. <clears throat> so I wanna actually go into some different types of relaxation skills. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up, y'all. Bear with me. 
All right, so I'm actually gonna go through them and if you wanna practice these with me or if you want to come back to these later, I'm gonna um, put the time in the notes so it'll be at 18, 18 minutes probably or a little bit over 18 because I'm actually gonna add my, um, my stuff to the top. But anyway, yeah, I'm gonna go through these different relaxation techniques that you guys can utilize. And again, if you wanna listen to this later and use it when you're trying to practice them or if you can remember them later and use them then that's great too so relaxation techniques are good for um, just anything when a person's confronted with anxiety or fear or trauma or anger or depression or any of those things your body undergoes several different changes and you know it'll enter a fight or flight response so your body prepares to either fight or flee the perceived danger so during the fight or flight response, it's common to experience a blank mind, increased heart rate, sweating, tense muscles, and so many different things. Unfortunately, these bodily responses don't do anything to protect us from anxiety that we're having. So when you, so it's important to use a variety of skills that you can end the fight or flight response before the symptoms become too extreme. So the first thing that I'm gonna go over is deep breathing. So of course it's natural to take long deep breaths when you're relaxed. However, during this fight or flight response, breathing becomes rapid and shallow. So deep breathing reverses that and it sends messages to your brain to begin to calm your body. And so with practice, this will make your body respond more efficiently to deep breathing in your future. So if you're choosing to practice this right now as I go through it, then you can always come back to this moment on the uh, thing whenever you need it. Or if you just want to practice it on your own, that's great. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to breathe in slowly, counting in your head one, two, three, four, paying attention to the feeling of the air filling your lungs. Now you're going to hold your breath for one, two, three, four, not to feel uncomfortable, but you know, lasting a little bit longer than an ordinary breath. And then you're gonna breathe out very slowly for one, two, three, four. Pretend like you're breathing through a straw to slow yourself down. And so you're gonna repeat this process until you feel calm. And so the deep breathing is helping to calm your body while you're counting in your head to distract yourself from what you're thinking about. So you wanna continue doing this and you wanna you know, sometimes your brain might go somewhere else, but just remember, okay, let me jump back to, into focusing on my counting and my breathing. Another thing you can try is imagery. So just thinking about some of your favorite places and thinking about um, what it's like to be there. And so with this, you just want to think about a place that, um, that makes you happy. So we're going to go through this again. And you can always come back to this part of the episode if you want to use this um, to help you go through this imagery. So basically, you want to make sure you're somewhere quiet that doesn't have too much noise or distraction. It, it'll take a couple of minutes, so make sure you have that time. And I want you to think about a place that's calming for you. So some examples could be the beach, hiking on a mountain, relaxing, playing with a pet. My go-to is always the beach, though. And so you want to paint a picture of the calming place in your mind. Don't just think of the place briefly, but imagine every little detail. 
I want you to go through each of your senses and imagine what you would experience in your relaxing place. And so here's an example that I'm going to give you for the beach. Okay. So make sure you get somewhere very comfortable. You have a few minutes. It's quiet. All right. So I want you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable doing that. And I want you to imagine that you're on the beach. And I want you to imagine that you see the sun high in the sky and you're surrounded by the white sands. There's nobody else on the beach. The water is the most beautiful blue you've ever seen and the waves are calmly rolling in from the ocean. Now I want you to hear the sounds of the waves splashing. I want you to hear the birds chirping. Now I want you to touch the sand around you. I want you to feel how gritty the sand is. I want you to feel how your feet are in it, how your hands are on it. I want you to feel the sun and how warm it is on your back. But at the same time, you have a cool breeze that's cooling you down. Now I want you to think about a taste. Maybe you have some lemonade or some ice cream or something like that. Imagine what that tastes like, how refreshing it is dealing with this warmth and all of this going on. And then I want you to imagine smelling the fresh ocean air full of that soft, the calming aromas. Maybe you smell hot dogs or, you know, something on the grill, all of that stuff. So just imagine each of your senses here. You see, you hear, you can feel, you can taste, and you can smell. And if you need to stay in this moment a little bit longer, you can. But whenever you're ready, I want you to, you know, come back to. And so with that, that's like I said, imagery, you can come up with that. whatever scenario you want, but you can use that one too. And then another thing is progressive muscle relaxation. During the fight or flight response, the tension in our muscles increases. This can lead to a feeling of stiffness or even neck and back pain. Progressive muscle relaxation teaches us to become more aware of this tension so we can better identify and address the stress. So again, if you want to go through this right now with me, and if you want to come back to this at a later point, you can practice this with me. Or if you just want to do it on your own, that's great too. So again, I want you to find a private and quiet place. And you can either sit or lie down, whatever your preference is. And so the idea of this technique is to intentionally tense each of your muscles and then release the tension. So starting at your feet, tense the muscles in your toes by curling them into your foot. Notice how it feels when your foot is tense. I want you to hold the tension for five seconds. Now I want you to release the tension from your toes, let them relax, Notice how your toes feel differently after you release the tension. Now I want you to tense the muscles in your calves. Hold it for five seconds and notice how the feeling of tension in your leg feels. Now release the tension from your calf and notice how the tension, how the feeling of relaxation differs. Next, I want you to tense the muscles in your thighs and hold it for five seconds, noticing the tension. Now I want you to release that tension and notice the feeling of relaxation. Next, I want you to tense the muscles in your booty and notice how it feels when it's tense and hold the tension for five seconds. 
Now release that tension, relax, and feel the difference. Next, we're gonna move up to your stomach and you're gonna squeeze your stomach as tight as you can and hold the tension for five seconds. Now I want you to release the tension and notice the, the feeling of relaxation. Next, we're gonna move to your hands and I want you to ball a fist as tight as you can and hold it for five seconds. All right, now I want you to release that tension and notice the feeling of relaxation. Next, we're gonna move on to tightening your arms as tight as you can. So if you have to squeeze them at your side and hold them for five seconds. Now release that tension and notice the feeling of relaxation. Next, I want you to squeeze your shoulders like as hard as you can and hold for five seconds. Now release that tension and notice the feelings of relaxation. Next, we're gonna move up to your face and I want you to squeeze your face as hard as you can and hold for five seconds. Now release the tension in your face and notice the feeling of relaxation. And now lastly, I want you to just squeeze your entire body, every muscle that you can, and just hold it for five seconds. And now take an exhale, release, feel the notice of relaxation. And I want you to follow this pattern of tensing and releasing tension through your body. And this just shows you how you maybe were more tense before and now it's helping you to be more relaxed now. So you don't have to go through those different body parts. You can pick whatever body parts you want, but it's good to go from top to bottom or bottom to top and then do it all at once at the end. And then you are able to feel a little bit more relaxed and notice that there was some tension that you were holding that maybe you didn't even know that you were holding. And this is even good for, you know, um, pain and stuff like that. It, it's helpful for that too. So just giving you that. And let me see, is there anything else I want to throw at y'all today? Uh, oh, I'll give you some grounding techniques too. And then we'll, we'll finish off with that. So let me give you these grounding techniques. And then um, I'm going to give you a few positive affirmations that I love. You know, I'm all about that positive affirmation life. So this last thing I'm going to give you guys is grounding techniques. <clears throat> so sometimes with trauma, it's normal to experience flashbacks, anxiety, and other uncomfortable symptoms. So grounding techniques are good because they help control these symptoms by turning your attention away from thoughts, memories, or worries, and refocusing on the present moment. So the first thing is the 5-4-3-2-1 technique. And so using this technique, you purposefully take in the details of your surrounding using each of your senses. So kind of like how the imagery was using your five senses, you were taking your some, your, yourself somewhere calm and relaxing. This time you're using your five senses to notice what's going on around you and this grounds you. So the first thing is you're gonna think about five things you can see. So look for small details. And so I'll say right now, I see my computer screen. I see my yellow um, highlighter. I see my work phone, I see my purple sticky notes, and then I see my water bottle, that's purple too. 
And then you're going to think about four things you can feel. So notice the sensation of clothing on your body or the sun on your skin or anything like that. So for me, I can feel my bottom in the chair and now I'm touching the chair and I can feel how velvety it is. Um, my jeans on the side, I can feel like, I guess kind of where it's crinkled on the side. And then on my phone, I feel the buttons on my phone and was that four or five, you know? And so I hold this sticky note and it's like, you know, it's kind of not sharp on the end, but you know, it feels different than on the top. The next thing is three things you can hear. So pay special attention to the sounds your mind has tuned out. So like a ticking clock, traffic, if you're outside, the noises you hear out there. So I hear the fan. I hear my dog moving. And I mean, obviously I hear myself talking, so. The next thing is what are two things you can smell? So try to notice smells in the air. So, you know, whether that be air freshener or like a scent or anything, if you're into aromatherapy using, you know, those type of things. So for me, I have some aromatherapy on so I can smell that and I also have perfume on. But you can use, you know, if you're using this uh, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 technique, you can always carry like a scent with you or, or you know, anything like that. And then the last thing is what, what is one thing you can taste? So this is good. So carrying gum or candy or snacks and to use in this moment so that you can focus on that 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 technique. All right. And let me see. Uh, I think that's that's all I'm going to throw at y'all today. If, if you like it and you want more, hit me up. I'll, I'll definitely do that. But um, I'm going to give you some positive affirmations and some positive quotes before we get off. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. All right. So some of my favorite positive affirmations. I deserve to be happy and successful. I deserve a good life. I love the person I'm becoming. I acknowledge my own self-worth. <clears throat> I am worthy of all the good things that happen in my life. I deserve the love that I am given. You know, that's a that's a big one for me because I definitely, ooh, fight that. Yes. I am loved and respected. I am confident in my abilities. My strength is greater than any struggle. I am getting stronger and healing every day. I was not made to give up. I was fearfully and wonderfully made. Absolutely no one can make me feel inferior. I know my worth. I inspire others. I do not fear the fire because guess what? I am the fire. I am good enough. I have the power and the ability to change my story. I use my failures as stepping stones. And these last ones, they're different ones, but I use them in combination together. And this is something I tell myself a lot. I am worthy. I am important. I do matter. I am safe. 
I am loved. Guys, let me tell you, if this is something you have to listen to every day or write down on a sticky note and put in your car, in your bathroom mirror, where you, the refrigerator, whatever, positive affirmations are so important to tell yourself repeatedly because we have to change that negative thought process that we might have. And then I'm just going to leave you, leave you with a few positive quotes and then, you know, we'll be out. So the first one is by Buddha. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. This is like my favorite one I'm about to read next. And I don't know who wrote it, but I've heard it and I love it. The, death, the devil whispered in my ear, you're not strong enough to withstand the storm. I whispered back, I am the storm. Another one is by Parker Palmer. Self-care is never a selfish act. It's simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. And then I'm gonna give you one last one. By Lucille Ball, you know, I love Lucy. Love yourself first and everything else falls in the line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. And remember, I always say nobody's going to love you like you love you. That's facts. All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. I hope you got something out of it. You know, I was rambling and talking a lot on different things, but I hope, you know, you were able to, um, you know, vibe with it and get some stuff from it. And if you need to run back through and get the uh, use those different relaxation and coping skills, definitely do that. But guys, until next week. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to the episode today. Be sure to go follow me on all my social media handles. On Twitter, it's Happy Hour Ash, spelled with A-S-H-E. On Instagram, it's Happy Hour with Ashley. You can find me on Facebook at Therapy with Ashley. And my website's www.ashleyjohnstoncounseling.com. If you want to go ahead and be a supporter of me financially and this podcast to help us grow, go ahead and click the link under details, or you can go to anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. That's anchor.fm slash happy hour with Ashley slash support. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, Apple reviewers, write me a review. And make sure you listen. Have a great day.